Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, guys, this is, I believe, officially the last show of the run-up season. We're going through some real draft results, four of them to be exact, two head-to-head teams that I built and two roto teams I built. We'll see what we can take away from those. We'll also get to questions at the end of the show from folks hanging out in the chat room. I know a few of you will roll in, and I'll remind everybody that you can do that as we get a little deeper into the program, welcome to the show. First and foremost, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. It is a pleasure, a distinct pleasure to have you along for what, in my eyes, has been the most rewarding draft season of episodes that I think I've ever done. A couple reasons why before we get into the nitty-gritty on this, because I want to do some thank yous at the beginning of this show. Uh, Reason number one is that this is the first time we've had a full complement of draft content on our YouTube page, and the response was really amazing. Um, I didn't expect it to grow as fast as it did uh, over the last, whatever it is, I guess it's about two months or so, Month of September, the YouTube page got about 38,000 views, which I know isn't all that insane. So far in October, it's already around 80,000. And this is a thing that I didn't even really start messing around with consistently until like November of last year. So to see it take off, to see um, that we're now looking at a a situation where, you know, YouTube is going to be probably 100,000 views in a month. Which I know, not that much compared to, like, bigger cheese on YouTube. But you throw that on top of the uh, large numbers on the traditional podcast channels, and this is easily going to be the biggest single month in the history of Fantasy NBA Today. And there's just not going to be anything close when you sort of push everything together that we've done. So thank you for that. That's been absolutely incredible. I am thrilled. I am flattered. I am blown away. I don't want to say I'm humbled because that that gets turned around a lot. I'm not humbled. I'm actually just happy about it it's cool other reason that um this draft season's been so rewarding is that uh i feel like i've kind of settled into a rhythm i tried not to do too much extraneous stuff this year i you know a lot of times i get pulled in about 55 different directions i tried not to do that this season so that made it a little bit easier on my brain um and now we got to start to transition our minds to the next phase of things like basically as soon as this show is over Then it's time to get to the next stuff. So let's review uh, four real draft results that my team, you'll get to see the names of my teams. I couldn't think of a better way to do this than just to scroll through a couple of web pages. So we'll go kind of low tech on this one. And basically the moment that this show ends, we switch to in-season mode, which is heavily 
on social media, might I add. So if you're watching this show and you're not following over on Twitter, it's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We do a lot of stuff over there as news breaks. I want to try to get it to you as fast as humanly possible. Can't do that on a pod, unfortunately. You can get the deep dive stuff, and I definitely want you guys to keep watching and listening. It's a big part of what I'm doing here, but you can get stuff faster on social media, so definitely come hang out with me over there. Um, And we'll have a show later on today with Derek Ball, who does the Week Ahead piece at Sports Ethos. He is a master of assessing the week. What teams have good schedules, bad schedules, schedules on low-traffic days, streaming options. We'll go through all that stuff in a second show later on today. And then starting tomorrow, we're basically a a one-show-a-day program again. Unless I come up with some other idea and or a whole bunch of extra time, that's the way it's going to be. But let's go ahead and dive in today. Uh, I want to make sure that the folks that are watching with us can actually enjoy... Uh, let's see here. Where's the one that I wanted to go to? They can enjoy the draft results in real time. This is a... I'm starting with a Roto League here. So let's get the Roto League on the board. Um, again, I couldn't really think of a better way to do it than to just share my Yahoo draft results screen. So if you're on traditional pod channels and you're listening in, and thinking, damn it, I'm missing something fun. You're not really. It's just a very small visual aid. My team, which is uh, very cleverly titled Public Roto 9th 2, because I like to label my teams by um, what the setting is and what pick number I had. Because once you get into 7, 8, 9, 10 cash leagues and they're all listed on that one big Yahoo board, you want to be able to switch quickly to the one that you're thinking of. So for me, it's like, all right, I want to make sure I get to the Roto League. I want to make sure I get to the one where I started with Kevin Durant. Then there's this one. Of course, if you do, like, three Yahoo uh, Roto Leagues, and you get the ninth pick in two of them, it sort of blows up your ability to catalog uh, (laughs) or organize what your team's names are. But let's not worry about that. That's just something that happens to Dan. I got ninth pick repeatedly. I got 11th pick repeatedly this year. And then in a couple of leagues, I managed to squeeze out like a one or a three. Uh, and that was um, that was a nice little twist here. So this league, and we're going to go through my picks, basically, and, and how that all shook out. This was one of the weirdest drafts that I've ever been a part of. I know people are like, oh, those Yahoo public prize leagues, they're just a bunch of jokers. They're often not. But this particular one... I don't know what it was about this specific $50 Roto League. It's not a big one. Um, The people were just so strange. There were so many big swings getting taken in this one that it left the board in such a wild way for me that I couldn't believe it. So let me just list off the picks, and we'll go through them uh, with some general thoughts kind of on each team as we go through all four. Uh, I had the ninth pick in this one, so you guys can do the math along with me, or I'll just announce it. Ninth, I took Kevin Durant. Uh, For Roto, I think he's just a a fantastic way to start your team. I know that there's going to be fears about rest days, and maybe those are legitimate, although historically we've seen that when Kevin Durant is healthy, he insists on playing, for better or worse. Let's just hope he doesn't have the one big, you know, sprained MCL that costs him seven or eight weeks, and I think we'll get a much better number this year. But again, from a Roto standpoint... There are very few players in the NBA who have a more Roto-friendly game than Durant. The only category where he is sub-average against the league 
is steals at .7 last year instead of, you know, one would get him to about league average. He is a significant boost in blocks at 1.4 from your forward position. He is one of the best percentages guys in the NBA. In fact, I think if you uh, look at both percentages and assess them together, I believe he is the best percentages player in the NBA. Um, his assists were at five last season. There's no reason to think those don't come uh, stay relatively constant on a team with two very good scores. Rebounds will stay somewhat constant, especially with uh, DeAndre Ayton gone. So uh, Durant's rebounds might even go up, depending on what you think Nurk does. Two threes, uh, maybe that comes down a little. 29 points, maybe that comes down a little as well. But just amazing across the board, and so a really nice way to start uh, your Roto team. I went Kyrie Irving at 16, and you guys will notice that uh, Kyrie Irving is probably the guy who ended up on the largest number of my fantasy teams, and I'm honestly okay with that. Um, you know, the dude's a little bit of a of a, a clown at times, and he's in and out of lineups for all sorts of goofball reasons. But from a fantasy standpoint, getting him at 16 or deeper, which I think you'll probably see in some upcoming drafts, is a damn steal. He was number nine on a per-game basis last year, largely playing alongside a Kevin Durant or a Luka Doncic. He was a top-10 player alongside Luka down the stretch, and Luka's dealing with a calf issue that's been going on for months and isn't just going to magically go away. So I'd expect him to miss 15 to 20 games, and even if Kyrie misses 15 to 20 himself, the per-game numbers are going to be so good, they'll counterweight whatever you lose in his you know 18 missed games this year. And Kyrie, like Durant, is very close to a positive impact guy in almost every category, too. Especially from a point guard slot, where he is eligible. Point guard, shooting guard. Uh, He's a positive field goal percent guy. Great free throw shooter. Steals, good. Blocks, very good for a guard at .8. Assists are fine, and if you pair that together, I've got this sort of, like, kind of okay start to assists. Um, my team's a little low on rebounding, but good threes, five between those, good scoring between those two guys. Like, from a Roto standpoint, you couldn't ask for a much better, well-rounded start. And this is when things got crazy, because, you know, you got the ninth pick, so I'm coming up at number 33 in the third round. I didn't think there was any chance I was going to get my late second-round target, but I had to do it. Kawhi Leonard was still there at number 33. I've got three guys that are intense, intense injury situations. But I also, if you look at uh, base, like how these guys played when they were healthy last year, Kevin Durant was number four. Four? I don't know why I said it all weird. When he was healthy last year. Then he got not healthy, and Kawhi Leonard took his spot at number four in per-game ranks, and Kyrie Irving was between six and ten in per-game ranks the entire damn season. I have my top three guys are all possible top seven per-game fantasy producers. I don't even care that there's a significant amount of overlap in what they're good at, because I still don't have an assists maven. I still don't have a great rebounder. But my team is beastly in field goal percent, free throw percent, steals, scoring, threes are good, assists are decent without a point guard so far, turnovers are weirdly low considering I have three really, really, really good fantasy players, and now all I got to do is fill around the gaps as I figured. And then it got back to me at number 40, and another one of my early third round targets was still there in Freddie Van Vliet, who I realize 
doesn't really fit this team all that well, but I want to point out again, the second half of last year, and I know that Van Vliet going to Houston is not going to be the same as Van Vliet in Toronto, but the second half of last season, Freddie Van Vliet was number 12 on a per-game basis, despite shooting 40.5% from the field. And look, I don't actually care that his field goal percent stinks, because my other guards and wings that I've drafted so far have unbelievably high field goal percent, and can more than handle whatever Van Vliet was bringing their way. The blend of Kevin Durant and Kyrie, or, uh, Kevin Durant and Kawhi takes care of Van Vliet. So now I've got, call it an average field goal percent team, still without a big man. Now I took care of assists, my steals are through the roof, my threes are in good shape, my free throw percentage is nearly untouchable. And I thought, all right, look, I'll take a big man in my next slot. That'll take care of the rest of the stuff. And then lo and behold, at pick number 57, James Harden was still on the damn board. And I know that he's in a state of purgatory right now, trying to get traded. And I know that means we might miss a few weeks of Harden at the beginning of the year. But wherever he goes, he's going to be a big-time assists guy. And he has good defensive stats. And he's going to score, and he's going to hit threes. And now my free throw percentage is ridiculous in this league. And the only thing I don't have is a big man. And so all of a sudden now I'm looking at this team. I'm like, look, this team's not that great at block shots. Kevin Durant is fine. Kyrie actually decent from a guard spot. Kawhi gets you a half. Freddie Van Fleet gets you a half. Harden gets you a half. All of my guards are actually pretty good at shot blocking, but I don't have a big man yet. So that's a problem. Surely in the sixth round, I'm going to take a big. And that was where I was sitting until Bradley Beal was still on the board at 64, and I couldn't not do it. So now my team has some problems. Beal, good percentages guy again, kind of doubling up a little bit on what some of the other guys do on this club, but I could not pass him over there. At this point, my team is just an absolute monster in scoring. Uh, threes are pretty good. I know Beal doesn't take that many, and neither does Durant, but and neither does Kawhi. But like between a lot of them, you're getting you know one and change, two, and then Kyrie, Van Vliet, and Harden are taking care of the rest. Steals are great. Assists are great. Free throw percent is insane. I need rebounds. I need field goal percent again a little bit, and then block shots would also be helpful. So sure enough, in the seventh and eighth round, I just took back-to-back bigs. I went Mark Williams and Clint Capella. Nothing fancy there. Now my team uh, has the big man stats that they were lacking before. Uh, and now I can pretty much take who I want down the stretch of this draft. I went John Collins at 105, DeAnthony Melton at 112, Trey Murphy at 129 is a stash because Yahoo Leagues have three IL slots. And I figured, why the hell not? I'm a little bit low on threes. B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed at 136 was still on the board and Kyle Lowry at 153 because in Roto, you just take the three weeks of Kyle Lowry before his body falls apart. Add a few assists at the end, whatever. Paul Reed gives me some hopefully big man stats uh, towards the end of the draft as well. The thing about Roto is you don't have to play all 13 of your guys. In Yahoo Leagues, the uh, game's cap is 82. So my last few picks are heavily guys that I'm like, look, I need these guys to be good per game stuff. I want them to be filling in because inevitably my top five or six picks are going to miss some ball games. Bradley Beal, in fact, has already been ruled out for the season opener later on tonight. Uh, but I have a really, really well-rounded team now. If Paul Reed gives any blocks at all, that category goes to being a strength all of a sudden. Um, I actually think that if this, this team has even a modicum of health, they just boat race the league. And so that was team one. Uh, I do want to share the next Roto team, if at all possible. Um, 
let's see here. What can I do next? How do I do this? YouTube, how do I do this? Um, I think it was... Is that the one? I don't know which one is which. It's hard to tell which one is which. Sorry, everybody. I'll figure this out. You know what? Hang with me here. I know a good way to figure this out. Uh, if I scroll that down just a tiny bit, that can get that one out of the way. Okay, this is a way that I can figure this out. That was a head-to-head -head league. That'll be up there. Okay, we're figuring this out on the fly. So the other Roto one, that's the one I wanted to share. Okay, here we go. So the other Roto league I wanted to share was the one where I had third pick, and that was this one. There we go. Let's get that bad boy up on the screen. So we got the visual aid. Sorry to those listening after the fact. This is the other Yahoo Roto League uh, I did. I was blessed with a third pick. And you know, you'll notice there are a couple of overlaps on this one as you look at the board. Um, uh, do I have some regrets on this one? Yes, a little bit more than the last one. But I used to think it's a pretty good team. So at third pick, I went Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, Jokic and Embiid were off the board. I was debating between Shea... Uh, and Halliburton, and I thought, you know what, I'll go with the scoring early because I tend to have an issue with scoring later in drafts. So I wanted to make sure I got the guy that was going to put up the really big point totals, figured I would uh, deal with assists as we worked our way through. But then it was time to start just taking guys that I liked the most. And so there again at 22 in this draft was Kyrie Irving, who in my eyes, I mean, that's like you have to on the Roto side. I get it. Per or head-to-head, uh, -head, that can be a little bit difficult. But Kyrie Irving played 60 games last year, and by totals, he was still number 14. If he gets to 62, 63, 64 games played, he's an easy first-rounder by totals as well. And so getting him at 22 was a, a total no-brainer. Uh, the pairing with Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a little bit unusual, but you do get good blocks and good percentages and good steals out of guards in this spot. Um, assists are probably a little bit low considering I have two guards on my team. Rebounds are fine. Both of these guys rebound uh, relatively well, actually, for the guard spot. Threes are a little bit low. That's because of Shea. So that's what's kind of going through my head after two picks. Third pick in this one, I went Kawhi again. Uh, and that's something you guys will see as a theme for me on the Roto side. I don't mind the missed games. I want the guys that are going to go full lunatic mode um, on a per-game side. And Kawhi is that. Um, again, I get boosts in steals. Uh, I have three guys that block shots relatively well for their positions. Rebounds are still low. Assists are still a little bit low. And that's the stuff that I'm starting to look at. Threes are not all that great either, but percentages are outstanding and everything else is kind of taken care of. So now I'm thinking, all right, what do I need as we go forward? I need threes. I need boards. I need assists. And I probably need, uh, like, some blocks from a big man. The boards and the blocks, in my mind, I assume I can just take care of when I start to get big men. Now, again, I have good shot blocking guards and wings so far. Shea was one. Kyrie was almost one. Kawhi was .7 once he got healthy. That's actually pretty good to have about 2.6-ish blocks out of those three guys, I'm averaging, you know, 0 0.8, 0 0.9 blocks per game, and I don't even have a big man on the board yet. So that's, to me, not a bigger issue. The assists, the threes, the, the boards are the bigger issue right now. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. 
You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And so I took a little bit of a chance. I went James Harden again. Three, same three guys, although in the other one I was able to squeeze Freddie Van Fleet in between them. Uh, I went Harden a little bit earlier, I think, than I normally would have wanted to. Uh, but he does take care of the assists and the threes part once he lands at some place. So... I'm going to need to make sure this team kind of stays afloat in those two categories until Harden comes back. But once he does, he takes care of that. Um, James will bring down the field goal percent a little bit. But to me, it's not a big issue because Kawhi, Kyrie, and Shea are all very good in field goal percent out of guard spots. Once I start getting any big men on this team, that's going to take care of itself. Harden's another guard who blocks some shots. So um, I'm in this kind of weird in-between. Like Harden was half a block last year uh on top of Shea who was one Kawhi once he got healthy was 0.7 Kyrie was 0.8 so I'm at three blocks a game uh out of those four guys so 0.75 which is kind of enough to be league average to even tiny bit above league average in that category and I am still without a big man so what that allowed me to do coming back in the fifth round was to draft a big man who was more rebounds and field goal percent focused and less focused on blocks, and that was DeAndre Ayton, who I took at 51. He was 56th, is ranked last year. He's going to get to do more in Portland than he did in Phoenix. He's big-time positive in field goal percent. He's not going to impact my field, my free throw percent negatively, not that it matters because I have Shea and James Harden on this team, so I have free throw percent to spare. But Ayton was also a .8 blocks per game guy. That probably goes up to about 1% when you assume his minutes probably go from 30 to like 32 in Portland, uh, he'll probably score close to 20 points. He'll probably get between 10 and 11 rebounds a game. Uh, he took care of some things that this team badly needed without punching any holes in the club. Uh, sixth round, Cam Johnson was still on the board at 70. He was not a guy that I thought I was going to take there because I felt like Harden had taken care of the threes. But Cam gives a three-pointers boost again another He's small forward, power forward eligible, doesn't hurt field goal percent much while adding three-pointers, so I'm keeping the percentages strong. He gives steals, which I didn't really need at this point, but I do know that I'm going to need another big man, so I dealt with that on the way back, and I went Jakob Pertl, who's finally now going to put a negative into free throw percent. He was at 60% a game last year, but honestly, between Shea and Harden and Kawhi, and Kyrie, not to I mean, he didn't take as many, but Kyrie was a 90%er last year, my free throw percent was through the roof. I mean, my team was shooting like 88% of the foul line, so I have no problem with throwing Pirtle in the mix. He's not going to—he'll barely put a dent in this team that's still top of the bag in uh, free throw percent. 
And now I feel good about my field goal, my blocks, um, my rebounds are in better shape. And I can kind of go with who do I like the rest of the way. Team was good in everything now. At 94, I went Michael Porter Jr., mostly because I just think he beats that rank. I don't know that he necessarily provided what my team needed here, but I don't care. You know, good percentages again, threes, scoring, some rebounds, not much defensive stats, but my D stats are fine. Jalen Duran at 99, I think he's a decent value there. Not Again, I wasn't hunting what he was doing necessarily, but he was still on the board for me at 100, and I thought, why the hell not? I'll get strong in rebounds now. I'll get strong in blocks. I'll get very strong in field goal percent. Yes, my free throw now is coming back towards the pack a little bit. But again, like the guys that on my team that are good at free throw are not just little bit good. They are maximum good. Uh, and then my guys down the stretch, I just, you know, I took a few shots here. Mike Conley at 118. I think he sits around the top 100 and will give a little assists boost to a team that probably still needs a little bit in that department because Harden was the very good one and he's going to be out to start the year. Paul Reed at 123, I think, is always worth a late-round flyer. Kobe White at 142 has a decent shot of being dropped in Roto, but I went with him there. And then Sadiq Bey at 147. If he gets enough usage, which is a big maybe, uh, then he could be sort of like a poor man's version of Cam Johnson. And then if they're both doing the same stuff, then perhaps I could move one uh, and, uh, and keep the other. So those are the two Roto drafts so far and thoughts on them. Please do again mid-show. Reminder to hit that thumbs-up button and subscribe to the YouTube page. Subscribe to the traditional podcast feed. And please, please, please do take a second to find me over on social media at Dan Bespris. We're going to be starting to do so much stuff over there. If you thought I was doing a lot during the run-up to the season, you are wrong. There is so much more that'll happen as the season goes. Things like Beal being ruled out, Boyan Bogdanovich being ruled out for four weeks. You want that stuff, and you want me to tell you what it means quickly. The way we do that is over on the social media feed. I'll also let everybody know, again, if you're watching live, because the last time I said this, there were like four of you, and now there are 30-something of you watching live. As we go, that number always goes up. Use the chat room. Use the YouTube chat. If you got a good question, I'll answer it at the end of the show. That'll be part of our stuff every day throughout the season. Okay, next thing is, let's get into the head-to-head results. Let's see, which one do we want to do first? Uh, head-to-head, I had an 11th pick, and I had a first pick. Ah, yeah, that's a fun one. Which one do we want to do first? 11th pick or first pick? Let's go first pick, because so far we've done, um, a ninth pick and a third. I guess 11th and first, they're both things that you guys haven't seen before. Well, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do the, whichever one... StreamYard decided to pull up. Uh, first pick. There we go. You guys will notice that this league is not a Yahoo Public League. Uh, and so you actually get to see one of my team names, which is Richard Belding. And if anybody gets that reference, immediately I love you. If you don't, he was the principal on Saved by the Bell. And my team logo is very much a picture of Dennis Haskins' face. So this one I went, uh, I had the first pick, so obviously I went Nikola Jokic right out of the shoot. Uh, let me move my face so it doesn't cover any of the picks there. Uh, Nikola Jokic was the first pick on this one. Uh, at that point, you're not making any critical life decisions on you know what you're doing with the rest of your team. I know when you have Jokic right out of the chute, there's an inclination to say, okay, what am I punting? And 
I don't think you can definitively decide that until after you see who's available to you at 24-25. And so in this particular draft, Mikhail Bridges was still on the board at 24. One of the things about Nikola Jokic, well, one of the things about this particular league, this league only has one IL slot instead of three. So you have to draft a little bit safer, and you'll notice that my picks are a little bit safer uh, in this one than in the Roto Leagues you just saw because there isn't a place to stash dudes once they get hurt. The other thing is when you have Nikola Jokic in that first pick, you just don't screw it up after that. Your job is to not tank your team in your next two or three picks. And so that's also kind of where I was coming from with this one. So pick number two, Mikhail Bridges was still on the board at 24. Um, per game ranking, he probably is around 25 this year. Um, but by totals, we know that he's a guy who plays. Nagging injuries don't tend to hurt him all that much. He plays through them, assuming we can skate through without any big-time season-ending stuff. Pairing Bridges with Jokic, I'm hoping I get a lot of guys that play a lot of games between those two dudes. Um, and that's a really good way to start your league. Bridges also uh, one of the higher-scoring players uh, available at the end of the second round. You know, once he went to Brooklyn, he was a 25-plus per-game guy. I think he was at 26-ish with the Nets. So that's good. Uh, a lot of the guys getting drafted at 24 are not that high unless you take a risk like someone like a uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, he'll be 25 points, but is he going to play? Uh, and this also answers the question of what am I punting with Jokic and kind of takes threes off the board. Because, it, you know, if Jimmy Butler was still there, I probably would have gone Butler. It was a little riskier, but a better per game guy than Bridges, but also doesn't it need threes. So if I if Butler was there, I'd probably end up punting threes. Bridges was there, so now I'm thinking probably I'm out on blocks. I don't have to be, but probably. Because after these two picks, I have a team that's okay in scoring. Not great, because Jokic isn't a big scorer. My team is still very good in rebounds, good in assists because Jokic. Uh, good in steals because both those guys can do that. Good in percentages. Um, and very weak in blocks. To get a big man who doesn't block that much, and then along with a wing who doesn't block all that much, what was Bridges? About half a block a game. Like, it's not completely cooked, but I don't really want to blow up the things that I'm good at. So I go Desmond Bain in the next one, and I'm pretty high on Bain, actually, this year. Higher than most. Um, by totals, by the way, down the stretch last year, he was number 18, and that was with John Morant around a fair amount. Uh, I just I think Bain has a shot to be inside the top 20 on a per-game basis with no John Moran around for that first 25 games. I think he'll be inside the top 30 after that. So again, I'll get some good scoring. Steals are okay. Threes is another boost. I continue to have good percentages by taking guards that are not bad in field goal percent. Rebounds and assists are fine, if unspectacular now, uh, putting a couple of guys that... You know, what was Bridges down the stretch? Four and a half boards and 2.7 assists. Those numbers are not all that blisteringly high. Uh, but he and Bain cover up any free throw issue that Jokic might have passed through. Field goal percent is still well above average um, because of what Jokic does by himself. And so that's where I am after three picks. I think guys that are going to be out there a lot. Uh, pick 48, it got back to me. I had a few choices here. I figured I went DeAndre Aiden, and that's, again, you, the second league that I've gone with him in. He's not a dude that I'm necessarily targeting on a day-to-day -day basis, but he made a lot of sense 
for what this team is trying to do, which is a punt blocks big team. Uh, and DeAndre Ayton is a big that doesn't block that many shots. Not that he's like completely anemic there, but it's definitely not one of his strong suits. Down the stretch, he blocked about a shot per game in Phoenix. Again, that's, I think, what you can expect out of him in Portland. But he's a big man that gives me rebounds, very strong field goal percent. I think I'll get some scoring out of him in a way that wasn't really a positive last year. And so now I address an issue. I get scoring out of a big man, and other teams taking big men almost from this point on are not getting scoring out of them. Unless you consider Zion a big, which I guess you can, uh, Aiton is kind of the last big man who's expected to score around 20 points per game. That's it. Because after this, the big men that are going are, you know, guys like Mark Williams and Rudy Gobert and uh, Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu. And these guys are all good, but they're good because of other reasons. So I wanted to make sure that my scoring was going to be good. And I figured I could get wing and guard scoring uh, still another two or three rounds after this. So I got my big scoring out of the way. So I didn't take the big hit on that that other teams are probably going to take later in their drafts. But that also left me extremely weak again in three-pointers because I have two big men so far. So I went Zach Levine at 49. I went with another wing who's good at percentages. Uh, my steals have now weakened a tad. So that's something that I'm going to be looking at later in this draft because um, Levine is not a big steals guy. Bain is not a huge steals guy. Jokic is a good steals guy from the big man spot, and Bridges is as well, but those two guys are not going to be able to carry it. I get good scoring again here. This helps shore up threes. Assists are starting to become a small issue for this team, despite Nikola Jokic, so I, that's something that I have to be aware of as well. Not that, uh, you know, Bain and Levine, they'll get four to five, something like that. I'm not dead in the water there, but it's going to be something that I want to address because I don't want to lose assists when I start a team with Nikola Jokic. That feels like a little bit of a waste of a key advantage. However, when it got back to me at 72, I had a few choices here. I, I felt like threes was still something I wanted to deal with. Points was something I wanted to make sure that I was still strong at. So I went Clay Thompson and Markel Fultz. So threes, big time threes and scoring out of one. Some scoring, but good assists and steals out of the other. And I continue to have okay percentages because I don't think Clay's going to be a complete tank job there. Fultz is definitely not going to be a tank job there. Fultz doesn't help free throws, but uh, all of my other guys, including my big men, are relatively strong in free throws, so that's still fine. I do feel like I want more steals and I want more assists, and I felt like there was one spot where I, I could possibly give up a little bit of juice, and that's why coming back to me at 96, I went Marcus Smart, who, again, I don't know that he necessarily beats this mark on a per-game per rank. Probably does while John Morant is out. Once he comes back, I don't know. Smart's going to be my first real mess in the field goal percent department. But you're probably going to get five-plus assists, maybe six. You're going to get big steals, more three-pointers. I'm trying to shore up these things that I know Jokic is not as strong at, like threes. Um, and I think I've done that. And at this point, I'm starting to think, okay, where are my problem spots? But also... What do I need to make sure that I definitely win? Because this is a head-to-head -head league, and I feel like I can win assists most days with false smart and then big assists out of Jokic. I feel like I can win 
threes now with Smart, Clay Thompson, Zach Levine, Bain, and Mikhail Bridges. But I want to make sure that I lock in a few things. So field goal percent should be something I win when you start with Jokic. So I went Jalen Duran at 97. Also should lock in rebounds. Duran, Ayton, and Jokic, three guys that should probably all be 10-plus rebounds a game. Uh, Duran's free throw percent is a little bit of a concern, um, but I'm hoping that my team can handle it. That's kind of this like, okay, if I don't win free throw percent, it's not the end of the world because I don't make sure that I have my five. And now, at this point, I'm going with picks that I think have some upside. So DeAnthony Melton, as I think, is an upside play. He fits this build. Zach Collins is an upside play that may or may not fit this build. Emmanuel quickly definitely fits this build as someone who uh, potentially could score, although the Knicks didn't extend him, so maybe that doesn't mean he's playing as much. Eh, if I have to turn him into a streaming slot, that's fine. Christian Wood, also kind of a, a flyer play that probably gets punted, but, you know, big man who can space the floor a little bit, gets some rebounds, get, does some scoring. Those are things that I want out of my big guys. And then THT, at the very last pick, could actually blow up this build. So um, there's a, a kind of a high probability that he ends up back on the waiver wire or as trade bait because he's bad at two things that I want to win, which are the percentages and... Uh, but still, at 168, we saw him put up some pretty big numbers in the preseason. I thought that was sort of a, a worthy risk to take. But the one thing that you want to look at at the end of your head-to-head -head draft, and I was using our draft tracker at Ethos, <clears throat> excuse me, which I I turn off after the 10th round because um, like these are guys that might be on and off of your team, and so you're not necessarily getting the best, the most accurate depiction. After the 10th round is complete, so right after DeAnthony Melton, because I had the last pick of the 10th, you want to check and make sure that your team is strong enough to reliably win five to six categories every week on the head-to-head -head side. And so at that point, I knew that my team was very good in steals, because I had Melton, Smart, Fultz, and Bridges, and then Jokic out of the big man spot. And by the way, I think Jalen Duran averages close to a steal a game from the center spot. He showed himself to be pretty good steals big in uh, the second half last year once he started to get playing time. So I'm pretty sure I'm winning steals. I'm pretty sure I'm winning boards between Duran, uh, Jokic, and Ayton. That's a pretty hefty trio in your first nine picks. You're 30-some-odd rebounds per game out of those guys. Um, and then, you know, you hope that Marcus Smart doesn't put too big of a hole in that. I feel pretty good about assists. Maybe not overwhelming, but Jokic with 10... Um, Bain will get you four or five while Ja is out. Smart's going to get probably six. Fultz is going to get six to seven. Levine will get you five. Melton maybe four, something like that. It's not outstanding. It would have been nice if I could have gotten one more guy that was up in that reliable like seven and a half, eight range, but they just weren't there when I needed them. But that's a pretty good one. Field goal percent between Duran, Ayton, Jokic, uh, very strong. And then the fact that... Uh, my early guards like Bain and Levine and Bridges are not bad at field goal. I think that keeps that in pretty good shape. And then believe it or not, I think this team reliably wins turnovers, which is pretty crazy considering you're starting with a high assist guy. But Jokic is my only high turnover guy. Bridges is not that high. Bain is not that high. Levine is not that high. Thompson, Fultz, Smart. I don't know what Smart's going to do there. I don't have those any other like, big cough-it-up kind of guy on this team. So that's kind of weird, isn't it? That that's something that I ended up being very strong at. Um, and I already forgot what five things I said. But I also think this team's going to be pretty good in free throws uh, because Duran's really the only negative 
Fultz is kind of a neutral, but uh, and maybe smart, you call him a neutral, but Thompson's a positive, Levine's a positive, Bain's a big positive, Bridges is a positive, Jokic is a small positive. That one's a decent one. Probably win that maybe a little more than 50% of the time. I think I win threes 50% of the time. Um, I probably win points maybe about 50% of the time. And then blocks, I probably won't win at all. Although maybe I'll fall into one if Duran uh, or Zach Collins or Christian Wood puts up a few here. It's not really a target, but if you accidentally win it like 20% of the time, it's not the end of the world. So I feel very strongly about five. I think my team's pretty good in three others. And then meh, at, at one. So it's this kind of weird punt where like, I get it. Maybe you want to be outstanding in six. But I think in the regular season, a lot of head-to-head leagues, you don't want to be bad at three. You want to give yourself a chance against a team that maybe is suffering through some injuries or whatever to win 8-1 to one or 7-2. to two. That's how you get to the top of the board and secure that first-round buy. And so that's why I built the team the way that I did. We have one more team I want to go over. And uh, unfortunately, because I am you know, running all of this stuff by myself, it's hard for me to do it all on the fly. But I think I can do this here. Let's get this one up on the screen for the YouTubers. And I think that should do it. There we go. This one's a public league once again. And once again, I ended up with a late pick with number 11. And this one is a scarier draft. The first thing you think when you look at it is, damn, Dan, that's a scary, scary start. You are absolutely right. But I kind of had to do it. Um, The nice thing about public leagues on Yahoo is they have three IL spots. So for me, I'm just going to pray that my early guys are not all hurt at the same time. And frankly, I don't know that I really like the results from this draft, but I'm going to go through it anyway. This was the first draft I used our draft tracker tool for, and so I don't think I was ready for the way that it assessed teams as it was moving. That was something that I learned after using it once or twice. Uh, But I went Kevin Durant at 11 um, because I just couldn't bring myself to do the LaMelo Ball punt field goal build right out of the chute. I wanted to start with someone that could sort of open up the page for me to do a bunch of other stuff. And then Anthony Davis at 14. This team is is so very risky. But if those guys hit, then that start is extraordinary at a few key things. Uh, pretty good at scoring. Not very good at three-pointers. Very good at rebounds out of the first two. Not very good at assists. But whatever. Power forward and center is my first two picks. So I'll have to deal with that later. Um... Steals, good. I mean, I'd say very good, actually, because you get .7 and then, like, one out of big men, and I haven't even added a guard yet. Blocks, yeah, Mondo. Field goal percent, Mondo. Free throw in the middle, not bad. And then turnovers, actually, very good. So I have six categories that this team is extremely, extremely strong at. And then even steals you could almost put in the good side because as soon as I add a guard to the mix, they're going to be very good. I don't have another pick until 35, and I'm just looking and thinking, okay, I gotta get a guard. I have to get a guard. If I don't get a guard here, I'm gonna be in real trouble. And then I got two back to back, and so this team went from six extraordinary categories to crazy balanced, because I went Freddie Van Vliet and Darius Garland at 35 and 38. And now the team is like pretty good at free throws, pretty good at assists, pretty good at threes. Pretty good at boards, but not great anymore. Apparently not that great at boards. This team became okay at everything. 
And that's not really what you're necessarily trying to do on a head-to-head side. But I've, you know, you, we've seen a million times how hard it is to rack up assists late. And so I figured I'd take two and then make a call on what direction my team wanted to go a little later. I went Jared Allen at 59, who uh, now pivots this team back into a little bit stronger. On the big man side, I was all over the map here. Cam Johnson at 62, because I could tell this team was going to be weak in three-pointers if I didn't go that direction. This team ended up building a bit more like a roto club. And I went Michael Porter Jr. at 83 and Markel Fultz at 86. Like, I don't even know what the hell I was doing at this point. I started to think, all right, I'm just going to build a balanced team and lean into some sort of strengths as the year goes on. Draymond Green at 107, who's out to start the year, so annoying there. Uh, Time Lord at 110, mostly just because I thought he was kind of a value at 110. Josh Hart at 131. I managed to get Paul Reed at 134. I like that one a lot. And then Malik Monk at 155. What the hell is this team? I don't know. This is the one team I drafted where I looked back at it at the end and I was like, I don't know what the hell this team is. They are. This team is pretty good at everything. This team would be very good in Roto. But in head-to-head, I don't know what this means. Am I going to lose four to five to four every single week? Am I going to win eight to one one week and then lose seven to two the next? All of those things seem very much on the table for this club. So what likely happens is I see how this team does for a month. And I'll do some streaming probably at the end, you know, if if Josh Hart loses his job to Dante DiVincenzo or if Malik Monk isn't doing enough off the bench to fit this team's build. Somebody will get rotated in because um, it's important to use your actual pickups in head-to-head. You want to be streaming a little bit, maybe not first week, but a little bit. And, you know, at a glance, you figure a team with Robert Williams and Paul Reed and Jared Allen and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant maybe lean a little bit more towards the big man stuff. And maybe that's the direction I go is to lean a little bit more into the big man stuff and move a guy like a Cam Johnson or a Michael Porter Jr. and say, all right, maybe this team isn't going to score very well. Maybe that's a little bit of a punt points team because Kevin Durant is kind of the only guy on the club that I look at and go, oh, this guy's a good scorer. So there's a lot of directions that I could go as the season moves on. Um, I think I have a lot of pretty good players on this team. I just think that their fit for head-to-head didn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we'll kind of go back to the drawing board, and this is a team where you can tweak it to get it right. Look at what you're good at, look at what you're great at, look at what you're slightly suboptimal, look at what you're terrible at, and start to lean into strengths as the season goes along. And this is a good example of why you don't necessarily have to punt on draft night to still have success. And I'll keep you updated on how this club goes as the season goes along. And now let's do a few questions from the chat room as well. And a reminder to please like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Asan says, Chris Paul or Markel Fultz, nine cat head-to-head. I probably go mm, the head-to-head part. Yeah, uh, you probably go Fultz. He probably plays more games than Chris Paul. Roto, I go Chris Paul there. Tyus Jones or Jared Allen head-to-head. I'll go Jared Allen there. Victor says, hi, Dan. I had my last draft last night. I got Embiid at five and was going to go for more blocks as I was targeting JJJ, but LaMelo fell to me in the second round was he the right pick to take. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, Embiid LaMelo is a pretty balanced start. That's like the old school way of playing fantasy basketball where you go big, small, and your team is now pretty good at everything. Not terrible at anything. Not outstanding at much. Maybe scoring. And pretty good at a lot of stuff. And that gives you uh, a lot of options in the next few rounds because you can kind of lean in any direction. 
Hassan says, any randoms on the waivers you're keeping an eye on for week one? Uh, I will get into that on this, the next show, probably this afternoon or at the latest tomorrow's show because Wednesday's got the big board and we'll do our look-ahead part of the program. But I'm not going to do that today because I still got a few more shows in between. Sammy says, is Tillman a good pickup for the rest of the year? Well, he sat around the edge of the top 100 when Adams went down last season, so sort of is the answer. If you need a big man who steals but doesn't block shots, field goal percent rebounds, steals, that's what Tillman will get you. Memphis is going to uh, mix and match a little bit, but ultimately, you know, when they go up against a front court that's not super-duper tiny, he'll probably see high 20s in minutes, and in those games he'll put up, you know, top 90, top 100 kind of values. So the answer is probably to this question. Lucas says, do you know if the Fantrax public money roto leagues have a games cap by default? I can't find it in the rules. You know what? I actually don't know, Lucas. They should. Um, and then he says, oh, it's a weekly lineup league. Yeah, so okay, so if it's weekly lineup league, you don't need a games cap because you're making your decisions at the front end of the week. You're going to probably try to maximize games played by playing guys who have four games instead of two or three. And so then the cap is sort of imposed by what happens the, the rest of that week. Kyung asks, Chet versus Porzingis in Roto. Uh, I'll go Porzingis. Um, you know, Chet might beat him in games played by four or five, but I just, I'm going to go with the trustworthy guy. I think Chet has a really nice year. You saw him on the Dan Bespris old man squad, but I'll go with old reliable here. Voss asks, Buddy Heald or Benedict Matherin have both in Roto and category. Who should I be leaning to start? I think I'd probably start Buddy Heald. Uh, Matherin... We need to see him take a step forward. Let's frame it, let's, let's frame it like that. Um, Matherin last year, all he did was score and be a good free throw guy. There was literally nothing else going on with his fantasy game. If he takes some steps forward in rebounding, if he scores more, then that's a chance that he gets out in front. But we saw also late last year, Buddy Heald in 24, 26 minutes off the bench was still well inside the top 100. So uh, that's Buddy Heald to me. George, or Jorge, asks, why is Clarkson usually falling into the 11th or later rounds? It's, isn't it hard to find points and free throw percent in late rounds? Yeah, but also, uh, you know, I think Utah's going to start to get younger. Um, so I don't know that Clarkson necessarily is going to get to do exactly what he did last year. But the issue with Jordan Clarkson isn't that he doesn't score or doesn't get free throw percent, um, because he does do those things. The issue with Clarkson is that his free throw percent is not as good as you think it is. He shot 81.5% last year, so it's actually a very small positive. The issue with Clarkson is that he really is only a, a positive for your team in points and threes. Negative in rebounds, big negative in steals for a guard at one at a half. He doesn't block shots. His field goal percent is a negative. His turnovers are weirdly high. He has, I would argue, five, six things he's quite bad at. So sure, if you need 21 points and can suffer through the dings and all that other stuff, yeah, that's fine. But there was a reason he finished at number 184 per game last year in 9-cat. It's because there are more things bad than good. Sack accountant Jeremy Sohan was dropped in my 10-teamer. Should I burn number one waiver prot? No. 10-teamer, uh, I, don't, I don't actually think he's a 10-team play unless he fixes his percentages, and I also think the Spurs are going to be rotating him around. I know he's starting as their point guard, but you'll see Trey Jones get a lot of time there. Um, so no, I wouldn't burn a waiver on him in a 10-teamer. Brown Boy Jr., somehow Embiid fell to me at pick five, and Dame fell to me in the second round. How lucky am I, and how jealous are you, uh, am, uh, you me, being uh, ridiculous? That's crazy. So fifth pick would get you, what, 19? 
Is that the 19th pick in the next? I didn't screw up the numbers. Um, amazing start. Embiid and Dame, very jealous. Razor says, who would you pair Halliburton with at pick 17 in a head-to-head nine cat? Unless you're punting points, you're going to want to get somebody in that second round that scores a bunch. So that's the way you want to look at that. Um, but I wouldn't look at it necessarily from just like a strict pairing standpoint because uh, if you get too focused on that, you'll forget to actually draft a really good player. So please don't spend too much time hovering over the pairings for Halliburton because a lot of guys in the late second round are great basketball players and you're just going to want those dudes. Late second round guys, mid to late second round guys, Donovan Mitchell I like a lot, Bridges, Bain, JJJ, Jimmy Butler... Um, if Kyrie falls that far. So, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about the pairing thing. I would think, okay, what do I have after I take my favorite second-round guy and then start to think, do you lean into it or away from it as you get to the third, fourth round at that point? Lucas says, did you do any auction draft Roto Leagues this year? I did not. I'm not a big auction guy, and I've basically told everyone the following statement. Once my children don't need my attention, then I will start doing auction drafts because they're longer and you cannot walk away from your machine. And I can't really do it during the normal business day because I'm doing all this other stuff for these pods and for Sports Ethos. Uh, And so if I'm just like laser focused on an auction draft for two hours in the middle of a work day, no, that's not going to work. I don't have two hours where I can't be focused on something else on a weekend. Nope, that's not going to work. But snake draft... I can do, because on Yahoo, those take about an hour, 10 minutes. You can walk away between picks, uh, especially if you're near a turn. Um, And that's just the way I have to slot it into my life right now. So uh, long answer to a short question, no. Wayne, last question, then we're wrapping it up at the 53-minute mark. Hey, Dan, if you're rostering Pirtle and Duran together, will having Butler and Shea be enough to cover the free throw percent hit? Um, okay, so, I mean, we can go a little bit on last year. Now, it's impossible to know if those two guys do the same or less. Uh, They are both extraordinarily good, positive impact free throw guys. The answer, if if these guys repeated, like if Pirtle repeats what he did last year, Jimmy Butler kind of wipes him out by himself. Pirtle's a slight bit more of a negative than Butler was a positive last year, so that would put you just a little bit below average. Jalen Duran, let's assume that he does about the same damage to your free throw that Jakob Pertl does, um, and Shea would be a bigger positive than that. So the answer is yes, you'd be a little bit above average. It's funny to have Shea and Butler and not be a great foul shooting team. It feels kind of like you're wasting it a little bit. So I would say get one more good free throw shooter in like the third, fourth, fifth round, uh, and then you can go Pirtle and Durin, and you'll be uh, pretty well above average. So you're you're on your way there. I would say one more guy would get you to a spot where that becomes better than like a 60-40 proposition. We got another show coming up later on today. That'll be at 2.30 Pacific time with Derek Ball the week ahead. We'll do a weekly preview show. Uh, I'll also talk about the two games coming up on the docket tonight uh, and start to settle into the rhythm. It's actually kind of nice that we got the two-gamer to start so you guys can get a feel for how I do look-aheads, which will sometimes, we'll actually typically roll that into the main show, but there was a lot of stuff I wanted to go through on this one. As we now, officially, in this moment, end draft season. Thank you, everybody, for listening all the way through. The work just beginning right now. You can get a fantasy pass, by the way, at Sports Ethos to continue your work 
on winning your league. The draft is just day one, people. And also use promo code ETHOS20 over at manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping. I've got the new Lawnmower 5.0 on the way. I can't wait for it to arrive. I'm going to show it to you guys on air. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Find me on Twitter at Dan Baspris. Like on your way out. Subscribe on your way out. I'll see you guys in a few hours later on today. Toodaloo. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.